Welcome back to the queue. It is season six, episode ten. It is also my birthday week. Um, so this weekend was supposed to be my birthday weekend, but we got some snow, so I had to cancel my plans. But you know what? I'm okay with that because I probably needed to spend the day doing some inner work. Anyway probably needed this time to do some more inner work and this episode is affectionately titled 25 because I will be 29 years old in two days so I have some things here and this may be a little bit of a longer episode but I'm gonna try to roll through it um, as quickly as possible because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I really do want to just kind of talk about it in a very concise way. So this is probably going to be the longest part of this episode. So, 29. A.K.A. almost 30, right? And so I decided to do 29 things, or 29 lessons that I've learned, essentially. And here is what being almost 30 has taught me so far. Um, Side note, shout out to the things I wish I knew before I was in my 30s TikTok person. I think I started watching them on Instagram, but I think they do TikToks and YouTubes possibly. Um, Wait, a shout out to them because I've learned some stuff that I didn't know. So, yeah, I I will have... (laughs) I will have uh, learned some things before I got in my 30s from, from this guy who does this TikTok. But anyways, um, I'm just kind of going to roll through these one by one and, and kind of see what happens. So the very first one that I put up here is sometimes you just got to bow out of certain things. Um, and basically what this is, this is, this is knowing when to stop, knowing when to... Um, knowing when to walk away, knowing when to stop giving energy to something that's not giving energy back, and just being honest with yourself that whatever you're trying to do is is not working, or it's not for you, or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, kind of like a right place, wrong time situation. Um, but, yeah, you just, you gotta know gotta know when to stop sometimes because if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing for something that really isn't meant for you you are wasting your time when it could be better spent on something that is for you that isn't going to require you know backbreaking work or an overwhelming amount of energy and that's not to say that the things that are for you are going to come easy it's to say when things are meant for you they are meant for you and you'll know that and you won't have to spend all this time wondering whether or not you're worth whatever it is you're putting time into because you'll know and you will have evidence that shows that you are worth whatever you're putting time into and you know whether it's a thing or a person or a job or a situation you will you won't have to question your place there and if you are questioning your place with someone or something then I invite you to take a look at at how much energy you're putting in there and how much you're getting back and if you're putting out more than you're getting back I would invite you to rethink your place there because if, if that's happening then you may not be meant for that thing or that person or that place um, and, I, and I invite you to sit with that and I invite you to know that that's okay that 
not everything is meant for us, and we aren't meant for everything. And as hard of a pill as that is to swallow, it is okay. It is okay. Because nine times out of ten, the things that we often have to give up make room for things that are incredibly better for us. The next one on the list is that sometimes it will just be you by yourself. Learn to be okay with that. Sometimes when we are working on things or we have dreams or goals or plans, no one else understands what it is that we're trying to manifest or what it is that we're trying to reach. And sometimes it's just us that has to believe in us and our dreams and our goals. And if it's nobody else, we know that we're going to get our shit done and we're going to make our shit happen. And that's okay, too. Because some places, everybody can't go with you. Some places you have to go alone. And it is only by going alone and trusting in yourself and your own instincts and your abilities will you truly understand what it means to be your authentic self and be your own cheerleader. Number three is sometimes you will have some like sometimes you will take things personally even when they aren't. And the thing to do when that happens is to ask why. Because whether we want to believe it or not, most of the things that happen to us have nothing to do with us. And I think a lot of people confuse things that happen to them with things that happen in them or things that happen against them and vice versa. And the difference is, when things happen to you, it's, it's an external thing. It's something that you can't control, at least not all of the time. And it's something that, at least once it's happened, the only thing you control after that is how you respond to it. When things happen in you, that, that's all you. You control that. You control what you feel. You control how you feel it. You control how much space it takes up in your life. And that's not the same thing as something happening to you. And I think the perfect example of this is when something happens and somebody goes, well, this made me that way. No, it didn't. You made you that way. If somebody does something that hurts your feelings and, and you tell that person you're the reason that I feel this way, they're not. You took it personally and you assigned a meaning to your feeling based on what somebody else did. But that other person didn't make you feel anything. You felt how you felt because of their actions and then you assigned a meaning to their actions that was tied to a feeling that you felt but their action itself didn't cause your feeling and I'm guilty of this too I take things personally still I try not to you know I try to be the person that's like all right whatever whatever that is or, or whatever the reason you did that is is something about you and it's not about me and I try to let it roll off and I'm human so it doesn't always work but I know enough now that when that happens and I assign meaning to something, I know that that means that something within me is being activated from my past. There's still a wound there that I have not been able to fully heal. And the other realization in that moment is also that there are some wounds that may never heal. And that's hard to think about because I would like to be the person that is 100% healed right but I, I don't think that that's possible because the only way that you know that you're fully healed is by constantly being exposed to these things that caused the wounds in the first place and being able to show up for yourself and react in different ways than you would normally do 
So what that means is you're in a constant state of having that wound picked at when it's scabbed over and trying to heal and you have to do your best to not pay attention to the fact that it's being picked at, right? And maybe some wounds, you know, some wounds can heal faster than others and other wounds take time. But maybe there are some wounds that are not meant to heal because they're they're there to show you how far you've come. They're there to show you that either this is something you need to continuously work on or to teach you that you can master even the most difficult of feelings or the most difficult of experiences and still come out the other side with all of your kindness and all of your love for others and all of your all of your empathy intact which leads me into the next one which says sometimes things won't work out and when that happens you can still move forward there's so many things that go on in our lives and not all of them are going to work not all of them are going to be in our best interest and that is okay we can move on to the next thing without feeling like we failed, without feeling like failures, without feeling like we have no purpose, we can just keep going. And while we will have that knowledge that nothing, you know, that we had a couple slip-ups, and that not everything always did work out, we also have that knowledge that we can keep going. We can try something else. We can be better. We can do better. And that's a really hard place for a lot of people to get to myself included I have a very hard time with failing I generally try to be good at the things that I that I do or the things that I try and when I'm not it really bothers me because I know that I am putting effort into having something work out I'm putting effort into being good at what I'm doing and when I can't or when I'm not it really forces me to look at why I'm so attached to the the feeling of getting it right. What does it mean for me when I don't get it right? And, and, and what am I responding to in that moment? Because for most people, as children, when they didn't get things right, usually bad things happened. And so they, they can latch on to feeling like they always have to get things right in order to feel loved or feel validated or feel appreciated. Like if they, if they can't do something for someone, then they have no value or they have no purpose. And that's not true. As human beings, we have purpose just by being, even if we don't know it. We have value just by being, even if we don't believe it. And if you struggle with that, I invite you to reframe the thought for yourself that you are a person of value and you are a person of importance and your contribution to this life matters, even if you don't know it. Even if you don't know how. Even if no one ever tells you. You are important. The next one is sometimes you will still make the same mistakes. Keep trying. And again, things will not always go our way. And sometimes we'll make the same mistake a million times before we realize that we've made the same mistake yet again. Keep trying. Because eventually you will make the same mistake so many times that you will learn how that mistake works. You will know it inside and out. You will know that to do the right thing you had to do the wrong thing a few times to really know why it was the wrong thing. 
The next one is something that I was reminded of today that put something in perspective for me that I have been struggling with for quite a while now. And it is that everyone is not your friend. And that was a hard pill for me. Because I learned recently that my friends were my primary attachment group. And so I am very invested in the friends that I have. Or I try to be very invested in the friends that I have. Probably a little bit more than I should. Should be. And when I go through breakdowns in friendships, I really go through the ringer. Because I love my friends very much. Um, and I treat my friends like family. My friends are my family, some of them, and I, I think that at some, at some point I started trying to replace the family that I didn't have with my friends, and I think once I realized that, I took a step back from my friends in a way that I really didn't want to do, but had to. And I think it, it translated into, you know, it, it translated into something where I had to learn that although my friends are people who can help and are available to me, I am not entitled to them the way that I sometimes think that I should be, or sometimes the way that I want to be. Um, I am not entitled to their friendship, I'm not entitled to their time, I'm not entitled to their attention. And the only thing that I can control there is being able to let them know when I need something from them. Be it time, be it attention, be it, you know, quality time. And if they say, you know, hey, I can show up and I can give you that attention and time, great. And if they say, no, I can't be mad at that and I can't because my friends are people also. They have lives. They have things going on. They have their own, you know, wants, needs, ups, downs, struggles, successes, and, and everything in between. And... I've found that as we get older, or at least as, I, as I've been getting older, a lot of my core friendships have changed. And they continue to change um, as time goes on. And it's, it's a weird thing because, <laughs> like I said before, I like to be on my own. So it, it doesn't bother me to not have a large circle of friends, but... It does bother me to have no friends. Um, and I, I don't really know how to explain that because if I, there was a time where I didn't have any friends. Um, and it didn't bother me then. But the way that I compensated for that was I spent a lot of time in my head. And that was not healthy at all. And I know that when I go too long without having interaction with another human being, that is what I default to. I, I, I go back to that place in my head where I was living in a dream, basically. And it's not a healthy place for me to be, and I know that. And sometimes when that happens... I tend to overcompensate for that lack of human interaction and I I, I kind of spaz a little bit with uh, talking to people um, because I'm I'm trying not to go to an unhealthy place um, and I don't know that I've ever explained that to any of my friends I don't know if they know that that's what's happening when I'm kind of just like calling everybody or 
I text people and they're like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, I just, I just need to talk. Or, you know, I just, I just called to check in because if I don't check in and I don't ground myself in some sort of reality, I'm going to go to a place that I don't need to be that's not based in reality. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the next one says, moving in silence is not the flex you think it is. Now, let me tell you, that one was a mind-blowing one when I saw it. Um, there was an Instagram post, and, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically like, you wouldn't have to move in silence if the, the people you kept around you were actually happy about your success or wanted to help you like in that direction. And I was like, wow, you know what, I've never thought about that from that perspective before. Because, you know, people say that, move in silence, and what they mean is, you know, don't talk about your your dreams or what you have going on until it's done, right? And, and, and I think the original concept behind that was if you talk about things before they happen, people will try to talk you out of it, right? Um, and, and this person, whoever made the post, took it one step further and, and basically brought it back around and said you wouldn't have to move in silence, you wouldn't have to not talk about your dreams, if you had people around you that were supportive, that were going to push you towards the thing that you want. And man, was that eye-opening. It really was. And it, it, it made me think about the way that I talk about things as well, because there are certain people that I will not tell things to. Specifically for the reason that I know that they will say something negative about it. And I don't have time for that. Then there are people who are just like, hey, I'm doing all the things. And I'm like, killing it. And they're like, I knew you could. I'm so proud of you. And man, it is such a difference. It's such a difference to talk to people who, you know, are, are got the foam finger raised for you. And they're like, yeah, I knew you had this all along. You know, I don't know why you ever doubted yourself. Versus the people who are just like, are you sure? You sure you want to do that? You know, this and this and that. And... And they have all the negative things to say. It is such a drastic difference when you have people that want to see you do well. Truly it is. It, it, is, it is amazing. I, I did not think that it would be that big of a difference, but it is. It definitely is. Um, let's see. The next one says, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. That's pretty much a self-explanatory one. I'm not going to say anything extra about that one. The next one is that real people in your corner show up in whatever way they can. And I honestly believe this. You know, people... I was talking to somebody about this. And it seems like I'm always talking to somebody about this. But people make time for what they want to make time for. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. And the next two are related to that one that say those same people should also be willing to, to call you on, on your BS when necessary. And those same people will trust in the bond that you have and know how to have hard conversations with you. And so if you have real people in your corner, if you have people that are showing up for you or say they're going to show up for you and they actually do, they should also be willing to tell you when you're fucking up, basically. And they should be willing and able to have hard conversations with you, knowing that it's not going to change the core bond that you have. Because in my mind, that's what a real friend does. If I can't come to you as a friend and say, hey, you're dropping the ball, then what kind of friendship do we have? You know? If you if you can't check me and I can't check you so that we can be better people, do we have a friendship? Is that what I you know, is that something that I want my friendship to be built on where I can't go to the people that I care about and tell them, Hey, I see you're struggling or hey, I see you need you know, you're you're slacking on one side, can I help you? Um and, and the, the whole trust thing, you know, when you when you have a person that you trust, you you're not afraid of having those conversations because you know that they're gonna understand why you're having that conversation with them, right? Like, 
I don't know, if you're out and you say some shady shit in public and then you get home and your friend is like, yo man, what you said earlier was not okay. You should be able to be like, you know what, you're right. That was not okay. I was angry or whatever was going on, right? You guys have a hard conversation about the fact that when you're in public, you're n you don't only represent yourself, you represent whoever else you're with, right? And if you're acting out of pocket, you make everybody else look off. You need that. And being able to know that you can have that conversation with a friend and still have your friendship at the end of that is something incredibly powerful. And not many people have it. Not many people have it. The next one is knowing someone online is not always the same as knowing them in person and vice versa. I would just leave that one to hang in the air because I think that one's pretty self-explanatory too. The next one says distance is helpful. Sometimes it allows you to see the bigger picture. Um, and this one is an interesting one because I recently saw a video on lovely Instagram where the person was talking about the difference between detachment, attachment, and non-attachment. And, well, actually they were just talking about the difference between detachment and attachment. Um, I added the non-attachment piece in my own reflection because that's what I've been attempting to practice more recently is non-attachment. And based on their definition of detachment, it kind of changed my perspective um, on it. And so from their definition, detachment is being near something or with something and not letting it consume you. So you're, you're together, but separate. And my version before hearing this, my version of non-attachment, that's, that's what I, my version of non-attachment was exactly that, not attaching, not getting close. Um, and, and now that I have heard it, I think the way that I was thinking my non-attachment worked was, was in a detachment manner. And I now understand that it wasn't. Um, and so the, the type of distance that I would like to have with people is from a detachment perspective where I am close but not consumed. Um, and I don't think I've mastered that yet either. I'm working on it. I am trying to find the balance between letting people in or allowing myself to get close to someone without feeling like I have to be consumed by them or without feeling like I have to consume them in any way. And it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to find that balance because most people, when they talk about like att attaching, they're, they're talking about romantic relationships. And it's hard because if you, if you follow the relationship escalator, the more you integrate with this person, the more consumed you become, basically, because you keep, you keep pulling parts of your life together. I mean, you keep making them joint, joint things. You know, you go from dating to living together. You go from living together to having a child. You go from having children to, you know, sending these children off into the world. You then have to deal with your grandchildren, and now your lives are more integrated with them and and you you know it, it's it's this constant piece of integration and bringing things together um and i i want something that's sorry i live across the street from the firehouse um but it's this it's this constant feeling of you have to be as close as possible. If you're not as close as possible, then you're not close, you know? And it's like, no, you can have some distance there and still be close. And, and, I, and I think that's what I'm trying to get to. 
The next one is that effort is the bare minimum. It should not be the standard. This one is a hard one because effort for me is such a big thing. Like I really enjoy effort from people, um, but that's also because I know that I haven't gotten effort from people in my past. So when I see effort, I get really excited and sometimes I fail to remember that effort is the starting point, not the end goal. Um, yeah, so. Next one, understanding is just as important as communication. Um, you know, if, if I'm gonna talk to you, I would appreciate it if you could understand what I'm saying from my point of view. And even if you can't, understanding that it makes sense for me is enough. It doesn't have to make sense to you because I get it, it's not your thought process. But as long as you understand that it makes sense for me that way and that's that's how I view something, then that's 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 a good thing for me. If you can't do that, if you can't acknowledge that my perspective also matters, or at least just matters to me, then I feel like communication between me and, and, and a person like that is going to be very difficult. Here's my favorite one, probably. Changed behavior is a love language. I'm going to say it again. Changed behavior is a love language, and I'm going to do it one more time. Changed behavior is a love language. And and I may do a whole, maybe, I may do a whole other episode on this because this is this is something that is so, so, so important that I think people miss all the time and if you want to jump on this and be a co-host please let me know because I would gladly love to hear what other people have to say about this because it is such an interesting thing and I, I would love to hear other people's thoughts about it and I'm going to say it one more time changed behavior is a love language the next one is that I'm literally three steps away from being a hermit and living that hermit life and I joke about it all the time and people laugh at me when I say it but I'm so serious. Like, if I never had to leave my house, believe me, I would not. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know how certain people feel about that because there might be certain people listening who I spend time with who would be very upset if I lived that for hermit life. But I really think I would enjoy that. Given the opportunity, I, I would probably revel in that. I just, I, I don't know. I like being at home. I like being in my space. And I like not having to deal with someone else all the time um now that's not to say that if I had a nesting partner or if I you know ended up in a relationship where somebody wanted me to move in with them that I would not enjoy that I'm saying I'm so used to being alone I struggle when I have to be around people constantly uh, when I don't have moments to decompress and have those little like me time moments The next one. When you do the thing that you're afraid of, you tap into your potential. And everybody has potential, right? You have the person that you are, you have the person that you want to be, and in the middle is your potential. And so when you do the things that you're afraid of, you tap into that, and that pulls you a little bit further towards the person that you want to be, right? And so it's something that I've struggled with a lot being able to get to that point where I do the thing that I'm afraid of because you know clearly I'm afraid of it hence why I've not been doing it um but when I finally do get to that point where I'm like I've got to do something differently I've got to do a new thing and I do it and I'm like hey this isn't so bad or this isn't as bad as I thought it gives me a whole new perspective on life and so I invite you to consider the things that you've been afraid to do. Take the leap. Take the leap. Oh, my apologies. The firefighters are responding to a call, apparently. Um, but take the leap. If there's something you've been afraid to do, take the leap. Do it. Do it, don't look back, and trust yourself. The right resources will fall into place. The right people will be there to help support you and lift you up. And you have everything that you need within yourself. Do the thing you're afraid of. The next one says, potential is not a goal. It's a starting point. 
and that's something else too so a lot of the times again in romantic relationships people talk about dating someone's potential right and usually that's seen as the end goal you know i see that this person has the potential to be xyz right but potential is not the end goal potential is the starting point because if they are going to be that person or any other person than they are right now potential is where they start because of course everyone anyone can have the potential to do something it's what they actually do with that potential to do it that makes them who they are so if you're saying you know i know this person has potential to be more or to do more you're actually saying that you acknowledge and can observe the fact that they can have a different starting point for the direction that they're going in and whether or not they actually engage in that starting point you guessed it has nothing to do with you um we have some heavy hitters tonight man these hard pills (laughs) you know you can tell somebody i see more in you i know you have more in you to do these things but they need to see it and they need to want to exercise them more in them in order for them to take those steps and so again you know maybe you need some distance from that and realize that the bigger picture is not about you the bigger picture is about them and their journey and their journey is about them and only them even if you're a part of their journey their journey is theirs not yours and you can't dictate where they go the next one says when people show you who they are believe them now this one is said all the time all the time right and unfortunately here we are still learning this lesson because we are stubborn and we want people to like us and not in the i'll do anything to get this person to like me way but in the i also like this person and i want to be associated with this person because i see the good in them and because i know that having them in my life makes me feel good too because they are good and and the exchange of goodness between us as two good people is is what i'm holding on to right but as we all know humans are flawed and people are imperfect and when the imperfectness in someone starts to outweigh the good that you feel with them you have to believe who they are showing you they are and it's not always pretty and it's not always easy to step away from someone that you care about because they're hurting you whether they know it or not but do the thing you're afraid of right next one is that road trips one of my favorite things to do I learned this because in a very bad bout of anxiety a while back I volunteered to drive seven hours after working an eight-hour day to Ohio to then drive another five hours to Michigan with my cousin all because I didn't want to have a hard conversation (laughs) Yes, I know how unhealthy that sounds. Um, I learned from that. Don't come for me. Um, (laughs) um, But I enjoy driving. Driving is something that I... It it allows me time to process. It gives me that that de-stress time that I so often mention is is highly valued in my life. Um, And I just... I love to go new places. And I love to see new things and meet new people and I love to find spaces that allow me to be more myself and I often find that on a road trip you have so many opportunities to learn about yourself when you're sitting in traffic when you get cut off when you finally reach your destination um there's so many there's so many opportunities on a road trip to really kind of dive into the whole of who you are in a, in a new way. Um, being a tourist 
in a new place, um, living like a local, if you stay in an Airbnb instead of a hotel, you know, and just treating that space as if it is, you know, it's not a, it's not a destination, it's, it's a point along the journey, right, um, and, and it is a place that you can go back to, you know, it's not a place you just go once and you never go again, it's a place that you can always return, and, and that idea of returning to something, um, is very powerful, I think. The next one is something that I've been kicking myself about, but something that needed to be on the list because it is a moment where I have a chance to be honest with myself and I put down that I missed how much better I felt when I was doing yoga consistently. Um, I used to have a very strong yoga practice and I, I haven't had one in a very long time and I missed that. I miss it a lot. Um, I've recently started a meditation practice, which isn't as consistent as I'd like that to be either, but I can notice the difference between how much better I feel when I do it versus when I don't, and I need to find a way to incorporate that more and make that part of, if not my daily routine, at least a weekly routine. And the next one says, being unstable financially does not always mean that you have to go without. And this is one that I've come to from a place of, I've been in some really rough situations um, over the past six months, let alone over the past year. And a lot of those situations had to do with money and not having enough for certain things. And normally I'm pretty good about just, you know, saying like, look, if I don't have it, I don't have it and I, I just can't do it or I can't get the thing or whatever. Um, but sometimes it doesn't always mean that you have to go without, it doesn't always mean that you have to miss out on something, you know, this is what your support system is for, and if you reach out for certain things, you will get the help that you want, um, to be able to have things that you need, which goes back to that other one, right, asking for help does not mean that you are weak, it is not a sign of weakness, it is actually a sign of strength, believe it or not, so... Again, do the thing that you're afraid of, right? Which leads me to the next one, which is simply stated, utilize the community resources in your area. And if there isn't a community resource, maybe you can be the person to start one that you see uh, is needed in your community. The next one is don't be afraid to tell your story. It may help someone. Um, I know a lot of us struggle when people ask, you know, tell me about yourself. And we're like, what? What do you want to know? Um, but don't be afraid to tell somebody your story because you never know, you never know, um, your experience with something may just help somebody else. So never be afraid to tell your story. And, and maybe another way to look at that is never be afraid to share who you are. Never be afraid to share your authentic self and, and who you are in that moment and, and what that means to you and the journey that you're on because you may find that someone may want to walk with you and walking with someone is usually better than walking alone so again do the thing you're afraid of right the next one is figure out what you want and do not settle for anything less than that pretty self-explanatory right do the thing you're afraid of, basically. In addition to that, go after what you want. Be persistent about it. And consistent as well. Right? When you do something and you say you want something, if you start it and don't finish, right? There could be a million reasons why. But if you start it and don't finish from the perspective of it was hard and I stopped because it was hard you'll never get anything done in life, you know, do the thing you're afraid of, ask for help when you need it, and be persistent, what's meant for you is meant for you, and no one is going to take it from you, it is waiting if you tap into your potential.
And the last two are kind of related. So they say the time you spend thinking about it is time you could be using pursuing it. And if you can't stop thinking about it, you probably should be focused on it or releasing from it. And I think a lot of times when people get fixated on something, or at least when I get fixated on something, I usually think I'm supposed to be doing something with that thing. Like, if I can't get it out of my head, then it means something. But what does it mean? Does it mean I need to get closer to it, or does it mean I need to back away from it? And that is where I think people get tripped up, because a lot of times people think I should get closer to this if I can't get it off my mind, right? But sometimes we need to go in the opposite direction. We need to back away from it, because again, distance gives you a different perspective. It allows you to see the bigger picture, and maybe the bigger picture is the thing that you cannot stop thinking about is taking up too much of your time right the thing that you keep thinking about might be obsessive which is unhealthy and so maybe if you can't stop thinking about it it's not always a sign to get closer maybe it's a sign to back away and so those are the 29 things that I've seen come up so far. And um, the rest of this episode is going to move very quickly because I'm already 46 minutes in. I didn't think it was going to take that long to go through these. Um, but this is, you know, I mean, this is who I am. I... I have very old soul energy. I don't have a lot of patience for much of anything anymore. Um, And I say that from a place of love in that I know what I want and my time is precious and I don't, I don't, um, I don't like it when my time is wasted. Um, Because I don't have time to waste on things that really don't matter. Um, and won't matter you know there's that saying of if it's not gonna matter in five years don't spend more than five minutes thinking about it kind of thing or worrying about it there's a lot of stuff in life that we spend so much time worrying about that isn't going to matter and people take that as like me being like brash with them or whatever but they can think what they want about it I'm not I'm not gonna spend time worrying about something if it's really not going to affect me in the long term because why I could be using my time elsewhere and I know that time is man-made and it, it really doesn't exist but we don't get to live forever you know so I, I want to be spending whatever time I do have doing things that bring me joy and pleasure I don't want to spend time that I have being stressed out which goes along with my healing journey. And my healing journey has been about not being stressed out, about things that don't matter, or particularly things that don't really involve me. And again, I'm not perfect, I slip up. Sometimes I take on other people's stuff as my own and I should not, or I insert myself in places I don't need to be and then I wonder why I'm stressed out about something that I don't have anything to do with. And I'm stubborn and I know that. But at the end of the day, I do eventually circle back around to the fact that my peace of mind is the most important thing in my life right now. My peace of mind. Not someone else's peace of mind. Not Jenny's second cousin twice removed's peace of mind. My peace of mind. And at the end of the day, it is always me, myself, and I. I have to come home to myself, both externally and internally. And I have to answer to myself for any decisions that I've made throughout the day. And I have to go to sleep knowing that when I wake up, it is me that I'm waking up to. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. I think a lot of people expect to get external validation from everyone else and so they do things with with everyone else in mind from an unhealthy place where they want approval from everyone else and I've moved past that point in my life I don't need approval from anyone anymore I don't need validation from anyone anymore 
I would like a little bit of courtesy, which I think is something different, and I know that I may not always get that either, but at the end of the day, it is always me, myself, and I. No one's going to pay my bills but me. No one's going to feed me except me, from the standpoint of, like, buying my groceries or things like that. Um, like, even if I was with a partner, I wouldn't, I wouldn't automatically expect them to take care of me from a physical standpoint, because I can take care of myself from a physical standpoint. I would, I would, I would have a slight expectation of them to take care of me emotionally, because again, that goes along with my peace of mind. So as much as I am taking care of myself emotionally and doing the things that I need to do so that I'm emotionally stable, if I am going to allow you into my space, it is you against my peace of mind. If you cannot add to my peace of mind and make things more peaceful in my life, I'm probably not going to be that close to you. Or I'm probably only going to deal with you in certain contexts. Because again, my peace of mind is the thing that I value most in my life. And it will probably stay the thing that I value most in my life. And if you are not contributing to that, then you are not contributing to me. And you can feel however you want to feel about that. But that's the truth. So, all that to say, right? Do the thing that you're afraid of. Because a lot of people are afraid to just be with themselves. Um... And, and to learn what that means. And being alone does not mean that you're lonely. It just means that you're by yourself. And a lot of, we were never taught to do that. We were never taught to uh, be by ourselves. And when we are taught to do it, it's always from a negative connotation. It always has a negative thing attached to it. And so, be okay being by yourself. Do the thing you're afraid of. Go to a movie by yourself. Take yourself to dinner. Have a movie night with yourself. Um, make a special meal for yourself. It's a great feeling when you learn to not have someone there all the time. It really is. Um, you learn to trust yourself more. You learn to trust your own instincts. Um, and it does quite literally open doors because you stop saying I can't because I don't have and you start saying I can because I want to if you want to go to the movies it's not I can't go because I don't have anybody to go with me it's I'm going to the movies because I want to see this movie I don't know it opens it opens doors in my mind it, 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 it gives you a new perspective on things but okay, I've talked about myself enough <laughs> for this episode. Um, so, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, peek into my life. And I hope that you continue listening. Catch you guys next week!